Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with part two of this message entitled, Jesus, Superior to the Angels. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter one, verse five. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Man's word cannot give him life. We have heard a lot of words of men. And we are sick and tired of these words. They cannot help us. So we come to you. You are infinite personal God. You, in grace, communicate with us. And in your communication, we find life. For your word is life, your word is spirit. Your word raises the dead. And your word also kills the living. O God, speak to us. We even now exercise serious discipline of our mind to focus our attention on your word. Your word that teaches and trains and rebukes and corrects. The word that gives us hope. Your word that heals us, comforts us. We need your comfort, O God, speak to us. And may we today hear the voice of God and believe that word and enter into divine rest and peace. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Try to stretch your mind for a little while. I said we come to the church to see reality. As John the Apostle was given the opportunity to see reality on the Lord's day when he was in the spirit. May we also see ultimate reality of God and of his everlasting word. This morning, by his spirit, stretch your mind. Not to hear philosophies of men but the promises and declarations of God. Come and sit at his feet. Let him speak to you. Jesus, superior to angels. We are preaching through the book of Hebrews. So today, Hebrews 1, 5 through 14. Jesus superior to angels. Have you been touched by an angel? Apparently it is considered a blessing by many to be touched by an angel. Hebrews tells us that humans in some ways are created inferior to angels. As we read in Psalm 2, 8 and verse 5, and also in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7 and 9, you made him a little lower than 
the angels. And verse 7, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than angels. And yet, if you study this epistle, it will tell us that we are even now, as believers in Jesus Christ, superior to the holy angels. The holy angels, all of them, are our servants. The prologue, the introduction to this epistle, showed us the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is God's son. He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the king forever. He is the creator of all, the upholder of all. And he is the heir of all things. And then in verse 4, we are told that he obtained a name that is superior to that of the angels. And he did obtain this name, which is superior to that of angels, in view of his successful redemptive mediatorial work, which God the Father has assigned to him. So in... Verse 5 through 14, the author, we don't know who the author is, the author gives proof from seven quotations, all from the Greek Old Testament known as the Septuagint. The Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And he gives these seven quotations as proof that Jesus Christ is superior to the angels. The Jews had a very high view of angels, especially in view of their part in the giving of the law. Look at verse 2 of chapter 2. For if the message spoken by angels was binding. In some way, angels mediated the law. And not only that, we already observed that humans are created little lower than the angels. Psalm 8 and verse 5. So humans are in some way inferior to these holy angels. To the unbelieving Jews, of course, Jesus Christ was a blasphemer. Others might have considered Jesus as an angel, but they would not look upon him as deity. To them, Jesus was not God and Lord. But the Jewish Christians to whom this letter was written believed Jesus was God. And they worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. But for this faith in Jesus Christ, they were persecuted. Now some of these believers, to avoid persecution, were in danger of abandoning their faith in Jesus as Lord 
and consider him only as an angel. And today, Jehovah's Witnesses consider Jesus as an angel, a creature. And so they refuse to worship the Lord Jesus Christ because to them he is not deity. Hebrews speaks of the supremacy of Christ. And the author proves from the Septuagint, Old Testament, that Jesus Christ is superior to angels, that he is God and he is to be worshipped. The proofs given are quotations, as I said, from Old Testament scriptures. Because scripture is God's word, quoting relevant scripture was sufficient proof. The author doesn't argue anything, simply quoting. The writer understands the Old Testament is Christ-centered. And Jesus spoke that truth. Let's turn to the book of John and chapter 5, verse 39. You diligently study the scriptures, here of course has reference to Old Testament, because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Then he says, these are the scriptures that testify about me. And verse 46, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. And Luke chapter 24, the Lord Jesus himself tells us this Christocentric aspect of the Old Testament. Luke 24, beginning with verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What is spoken of Yahweh, the I Am, the Covenant Lord, in the Old Testament is spoken of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, when you study the Old Testament, Yahweh is translated in the Septuagint as Lord, and in the New Testament, the New Testament writers, many of them were Jewish, attributes to Jesus the term Lord, term kurios. And in fact, you cannot be saved unless you confess with your mouth, Jesus kurios. And a classic example of this, that the Yahweh of the Old Testament, the I Am, the Covenant Lord, is Jesus Christ, can be seen and illustrated from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, which is applied to Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2, verse 
10 and 11. Isaiah 45 verse 23. By myself I have sown. My mouth has uttered in all integrity. A word that will not be revoked. It is sure and certain. What is the word? Before me every knee will bow. By me every tongue will swear. And they will say of me, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength, and so on. But in the Old Testament context, this is speaking about Yahweh, the I Am, the Covenant Lord, the Elohim, the El God, the Savior, the righteous God. But St. Paul applies that to Jesus. Jesus, in other words, is the Lord Yahweh of the Old Testament. With this in mind, let us look at the seven quotations as proof that Jesus Christ is superior to the holy angels. The first quotation is Psalm 2 and verse 7. Hebrews 1, 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say? And what is the answer? To no angel he ever said. The superior name Jesus obtained, as we read in chapter 1 verse 4, that name was my son. My son. Two, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Or thou art my son. This statement applied to the son of David in the psalm. But the reference ultimately was pointing to the antitype Jesus. Jesus Christ the son of David. This quotation is not speaking about the eternal sonship of Jesus. Jesus Christ was eternally son of God. But this has not reference to that. But the incarnational sonship. It refers to time. It says today. I have become your father. And particularly, this quotation refers to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you read the Bible, especially the Gospel, you find God the Father spoke that Jesus Christ was his beloved son at his baptism. He said the same thing at his transfiguration. But he also speaks that he is his son at his resurrection. And I believe this quotation is referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let's look at the Romans 1. Stretch your mind a little bit, I said. Stretch your mind. Romans 1. And there we read. Verse 3. Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David... And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And St. Paul also understands that this quotation 
Psalm 2 verse 7 as having reference to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 13 beginning with verse 32. We tell you the good news what God promised our fathers he has fulfilled for us their children by raising up Jesus as it is written in the second psalm. You are my son today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words and so on. So because of the successful mediatorial work of Jesus Christ, he obtained this name. What name? My son. A name superior to all angels. No angel ever received this name. God the Father calls Jesus my son. So what the writer is saying, Jesus Christ is superior to all angels. And the second quotation, Second Samuel and chapter 7 verse 14, and it says, or again, I will be his father and he'll be my son. This quotation has reference, of course, to the son of David in its historical context. But again, ultimately, it has reference to the son of David, Jesus Christ. And this quotation also speaks about his sonship in time. Notice, I will be his father. And he will be my son. Now we are told by Isaiah chapter 9. There is a prophecy given to us by Isaiah verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. That is sonship in time. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. And prince of Now in the book of Luke, the angel is speaking to Mary. Luke 1 and verse 32. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. So this quotation has reference to the son of David, our Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father is not saying this promise is given to an angel. It is given to his son for his mediatorial work. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, son of the most high, to whom given the throne of David, his kingdom shall never end. In other words, the author is saying, Jesus Christ, God's Son, is superior to all angels. And the third quotation, all these are from the Septuagint, comes from Psalm 97, verse 7, and also probably Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. And it says, when God brings the firstborn into the world... He says. Who says? God the Father says. In the scripture quoted, God is speaking authoritatively. 
It doesn't say God said. It doesn't say it is written. But the writer says God is saying now. And the word of God is preached. God is speaking. It is authoritative. And what is he saying? Let all God's angels worship him. Notice it is a command in the Greek text. And it is a command to all holy angels without reference to ranks. They are to bow down and cast themselves down before the Lord Jesus Christ and worship him. And of course they worshipped him at his birth. Let's turn to the book of Luke and chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And they worship the Lord Jesus Christ even now, as we read in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. We are talking of billions, trillions of holy angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and praise. Let all the angels worship him. It is the will of the Father that all holy angels fall down and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the firstborn of God, that is, God's preeminent one, sovereign one. Doesn't mean first in the order of birth. It is speaking about his preeminence and sovereignty and his priority. He is superior to all holy angels. For the angels are to obey the Father and worship the Son. And if someone worships another, then the worshiper is inferior. The one who is worshipped is superior. And the fourth quotation is from Psalm 104 and verse 4. In the Septuagint, of course, it will be different. It will be 103 and verse 4. And in Psalm 104, verse 4, he is saying that Jesus Christ makes his angels winds and flames of fire. And the writer is saying, Jesus Christ is the creator of angels who are here compared to storms and lightning, powerful forces created by him and controlled by him. And the point here simply is, Jesus Christ superior to angels because he makes angels, he creates angels, he controls angels. And the fifth quotation, of course, is Psalm 45, verse 6 and 7. In the original setting, this psalm deals with a royal wedding of a son of David. These verses are addressed to the royal bridegroom. 
But the final reference is not to Solomon, but to Jesus Christ, the son of David, the eternal king. Now when you read it carefully, here the writer asserts that Jesus Christ is God. Notice then, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And then, I can translate from the Septuagint also in verse 9. Therefore, O God, you are God. So in other words, two times, the Son is addressed as God. But at the same time, he worships God. And who is this? Who is God and who worships God? And the answer, of course, is the incarnate Son. This speaks of God, man, Jesus Christ, who is God. And it is he who cried out, my God, my God. In his human nature, why hast thou forsaken me? So this psalm is certainly not speaking of Solomon. He was not God. He was not God at all. This spoke of Jesus Christ, God's son, who is God himself. And we are told that this King is altogether righteous in his rule as king. He is just and righteous. He always does what is just and what is righteous. And then we are told that he is anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions. The picture is one of, of a wedding feast. It's a joyful celebration, symbolized by oil of gladness. He is seated at this feast with his companions, who are also anointed. It speaks of a great divine party. And who are his companions, who are also anointed? Let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 63. We preach from that as we preach through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61 and verse 3. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty. Speaking about us instead of ashes. Notice the oil of gladness instead of mourning. This oil is the oil of gladness that we read even in the, in the book of Luke. Chapter 7, Jesus was invited by a Pharisee but he was to eat, but he was not served by the Pharisee. They didn't wash his feet, they didn't kiss him, they didn't anoint him, and so on. So, here we read in Luke 7 and verse 46, You did not put oil on my head. In other words, before this great party, there is this anointing of oil on the head of all people who are invited to the party. And so we are told that this one is anointed above his companions. We are all seated with him. Who are his companions, sirs? And my answer is you and I. The bride of Christ who is seated with him. And we can show you from chapter 2 and verse 10 of Hebrews. In bringing what? 
many sons to glory. We are his companions. And chapter 3 and verse 14. We have come to share in Christ. We are seated with him. And he is seated. And it's a party. It's celebration. It's joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Chapter 19 and here. We read verse 6 and following. Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. The royal son, the royal king and his companions. They are having a ball. That's what this is all about. Great joy. So what is it? The author is saying Jesus Christ is superior to all angels. For he is God. He is the righteous king. And number six. In the Hebrew text, it is Psalm 102, 25 through 27. If you have Septuagint with you, it is Psalm 101, 25 through 27. And in Hebrews, this, in this epistle, it is verse 10 through 12. And it says that in the beginning, this speaks of the pre-existence of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning. And then we are told, in the beginning, O Lord. That's another vocative. Now, it's not found in the Hebrew text, but it is found in the Septuagint. And the author is directed by the Holy Spirit to use that translation. And so here, the author addresses him as Lord from the text. This one is Lord. Of course, he is eternally Lord. 1 Corinthians 8, 5 and 6. He is Lord incarnationally. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And he is also Lord by virtue of his resurrection. So he is pre-existent. He is Lord. And then we are told he is the creator of heaven and earth. Simply put, he is the creator of all things. And then we are told, creation perish and vanish and wastes. The creation exists by the sheer will of Christ. You and I exist because we are upheld by Christ, by his powerful word. Henry Light, L-Y-T, in his hymn, he says, There's change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Flux is the only thing that you can count on in this world. As the Greek philosopher said, you cannot get into the same river twice. Change. And yet... Here we are told there is one 
who remains the same. He is unchanging. He is dependable. He can be trusted. He can fulfill his promises. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ remains the same. And so the author comes to chapter 13 and verse 8. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what's the implication deduction? What's the conclusion of it all, sir? Jesus Christ is superior to angels, for he is before creation. He is the creator. Creation perishes, even angels perish, unless God keeps them in being. But Jesus Christ alone is unchanging. And the seventh quotation comes from 110th Psalm, verse 1. The question is put again. To which of the angels did God ever say? You read that in in verse 5. Now in conclusion he is saying. To to which of the angels did God ever say? What's the answer? To no angel he ever said. And what did he say? Sit at my right hand. Until make. I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 110th Psalm is messianic and it is the psalm most quoted and alluded to in the New Testament of all the psalms. Angels, sirs, do not sit in the presence of God. They stand to hear and do his bidding. Turn with me to the book of Luke. In chapter 1, what is Gabriel speaking to Zechariah? Chapter 1, verse 19 of Luke, the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. They stand. They stand in God's presence to hear and do the will of God. No wonder Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This psalm speaks of the enthronement of David's son, who is also David's Lord. And I already said it is because of his successful mission, of his redemptive mission. And you can prove that. Turn to chapter 2 of Hebrews verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Now crowned with glory and honor. Because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God. He might taste death for everyone. So this is a special privilege granted to him. For his redemptive work. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him. Endured the cross. Scorning its shame. And sat down. At the right hand of the throne of God. And you see the same thing. In Acts 2. And Ephesians 1. He is seated 
at the most honored place. The right hand of God the Father. No angel is seated on the right hand of God the Father. It is his son who is seated on this most honored place. And what is happening here is all enemies of him and ours shall be put under his feet. It is the commitment of the Father to do so. And it is the commitment of this reigning sovereign king to do so. To wage war against all those who will not put their trust in him. He is the victor. He triumphed over all his enemies by the cross. His death was his victory. Victory over death and sin and hell and the world. And all principalities and powers. He defeated them all by his death on the cross and by his resurrection. Soon all his enemies shall feel, brothers and sisters, feel the weight of his feet on their necks. And that comes from the Old Testament. Turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 10. After defeating the kings, and listen to what Joshua says in chapter 10, and verse 24. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, Come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. Then Joshua struck and killed the enemies and hung them on five trees. You get a feel of what is going to happen to anyone who will not bow before Jesus Christ and worship him. And you see the same thing, Isaiah 51, beginning with verse 23. You go home and read, Jesus Christ is superior to the angels, for he alone is triumphant king, seated on the right hand of God. Then you ask the question, who are these angels? I'm speaking about billions and billions and billions of holy angels. I'm not speaking about the fallen angels. Holy angels, who are they? Take a look at verse 14. They are in some ways superior to us. But the question is, are they really superior to us? Are they really superior to Jesus? Are they really superior to us? The answer is no. These billions and billions of holy angels. And you read about them in Hebrews 12 and verse 22. These billions and billions of holy angels are created by Jesus Christ for his everlasting glory and for our everlasting joy. Did you get that? They worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And they themselves will refuse any worship if you offer to them. 
Turn with me to the book of Revelation. In chapter 19 and verse 10. At this I fell as John the Apostle fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Worship God. The angels understand that they are creatures. The angels worship God. The angels refuse worship offered to them. Unlike holy angels, the devil seeks worship from us. And they even tempted Jesus Christ to worship him. And Jesus said, it is written, worship God and serve him only. These holy angels are in fact inferior to Christ and inferior to his saints, the people of God, to us who are seated already with Christ in heavenly places. They are ever rendering, re- rendering sacred service to God, triune, and are sent to serve the saints. They're invisible, but they are here. They are doing the work, opposing our enemies. The devil, the demons, the wicked people, false philosophies, sinful impulses, false brothers, wicked rulers of this world. It's always working for us. They minister to Jesus. Luke 22 verse 43. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him at Gethsemane. This angel came to Elijah in the wilderness and fed him. And we are told in Matthew 18 verse 10 about angels in reference to children. And we are told how angel came and helped the apostles, Acts 5 and Acts 12 and others. And we are told that angels at our death carry us to God himself. Luke 16 and verse 22. And I said to you, from this text, the ministry of angels to us will continue. It hasn't stopped, sir. Angels are created to serve God and to serve his people. And it is stated here in verse 14 for your encouragement. I believe in my life angels helped me so many times. They may be invisible to us. Yet without our knowing they are helping us even now. A Norwegian missionary to North China, Marie Monsen, speaks of how angels intervened when Christians were there in serious danger. She tells the story of how their enemies saw tall soldiers with shining faces guarding the missionary compound. Even now, I believe, our God sends us, sends angels to help us who inherit 
the fullness of salvation. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ alone is to be worshipped. He alone is God. He is the creator. He is the only savior. All other religions fail to worship Jesus Christ. They like the Jehovah's Witnesses consider him at best an archangel. But there is no salvation outside of Christ. This is exclusivism of Christianity. None comes to the Father except through his Son. We are told eternal life is in the Son. And we are told one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Jesus is Lord. For the glory of God the Father. Jesus, friends, is superior to all angels and all other gods. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God and Lord. Jesus is creator. Jesus is king of kings. Jesus is the great high priest. He is the great prophet. The final prophet. What about angels? Have you found out? Angels, the holy angels are creatures. They are kept in being by the Lord Jesus Christ. Angels are servants of God. Angels are our servants. And if this is true, it is time that we have a high regard for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no salvation outside him. There is no savior outside of Jesus Christ. So I want to counsel you, brothers, sisters, whoever you are, let us repent, believe, and adore Jesus Christ, our God, and our Savior. Yeah. Heavenly Father, deliver us from having a mindset that Jesus is a buddy. He is God. He is the Son of God. He is the Sovereign Lord. He is the creator. He is the prophet, priest, and king. It is he who died on the cross for our salvation. Whoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And you enter into this great party. This great wedding feast with him. Oh God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for anointing us. Thank you for inviting for this party. A party that will never end. Joy, abundant joy. Oh God, may this truth bring great joy. In the hearts of your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to part two of the Bible series on the book of Hebrews. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.